Welcome to the Sugar Coated Dreams Podcast. If you've ever daydreamed about running your very own baking business, then you're in the right place. I'm Lauren, the Cheerful Baker, and I'll be your guide on this delightful journey where sugar, passion, and entrepreneurship collide. In each episode, we'll chat with talented bakers, entrepreneurs, and cookie decorators who've transformed their passions into something truly magical. Whether you're a seasoned baker or just starting out, this podcast is for you. We'll uncover the secret behind successful baking businesses, share tips and tricks to help you level up your skills, and unravel the stories of those who've created thriving careers in the baking industry. Plus, I have an exciting announcement for all of our listeners. Introducing the Cheerful Box, a monthly subscription that brings joy and inspiration to your doorstep. Each box is carefully curated and filled with items to enhance your baking experience. Inside, you'll find a surprise collection of unique cookie cutters, clip art, and a stencil, plus an exclusive link to my online cookie decorating class. It's the perfect way to indulge your passion for baking and take your skills to new heights. So after you listen to this episode, be sure to check out the Cheerful Box. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to receive a monthly dose of baking magic delivered right to your door. Visit our website and subscribe today. Now grab your cup of coffee and let's get ready for this week's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Sugar Coated Dreams podcast. And I would like to welcome Dr. CC from CZ Does It as my special guest today. And I'm going to turn it over to you, CC, and let you introduce yourself. Oh, man. Wow. Okay. Hi, I'm CC. CC Does It. I am a physician, a mom of three. I am a hobby baker and a Jack, actually a Jane of all trades. My specialty in medicine is family and lifestyle medicine. And I came to baking cookies just as a way to bring joy and balance to my life as part of my lifestyle medicine journey. So that's how I landed here. I love that. That's how I brought cookies into my life. CC was trying to bring joy into my life. So <laughs> cookies <laughs> can do that, can't they? They can be yes. good therapy. Yeah, I can't think of anything that cookies don't do. They make you happy. They make <laughs> they bring other people joy. Cookies are the best medicine. <laughs> they are. So whenever someone comes into your practice and they're sick or they're having a bad day, do you just say, here you go. Here's a cookie. Yeah, because of the terms of my employment, I, <laughs> I don't. I, I keep my cookie life and my doctor life separate. But there is some crossover for sure. I think I have a fair number of patients who follow me and they mention it at their visits all the time. But no, I don't give my patients cookies, <laughs> not the diabetics, but I do often prescribe lifestyle medicine modifications, which include having a well-balanced life and enjoying treats and treating yourself every now and then. Oh, that's good. Now, one thing that I think is so interesting about you, Cece, is that you are definitely a Jane of all trades. And I was looking at your Instagram and you've written a children's book. You've totally redecorated parts of your house. I think, what does Cece not do? (laughs) 
that's where the name came from, right? Is that it, that's the question that kept coming up in my friend circle. Cece, you did that. Cece does that. Oh, Cece does that. And then it became, oh, Cece does it. So that's where the name Cece does it came from. And the title is like a play on words with Cece does it and easy does it because it comes easy to me. I'm a creative at the core of everything. Before I'm a physician, before I'm a mom, that's just who I am. And the things that I do are really usually just a creative outlet for me and a way to have fun and bring in the family at the same time. So what were you like when you were young, Cece? Were you drawing all the time? Were you creative? That's a good question. I actually was very creative. I remember in the fourth grade, I wrote a poem and my teacher, her name was Mrs. Bardwell. I wonder if she's alive still. Anywho, Mrs. Bardwell said, you should be a poet when you grow up. And then that one, she spoke that life into me. And I'll never forget because I went to private school and she we, she would pray over each of the students oh. and speak life into them and encourage them to, she would find one thing that she could tell that they were good at and speak life into it. And I, I'll never forget that. She said, see you, or she didn't call me Cece, they called me Candace back then. Candace, you're going to be a poet. And I just took that to heart and I just knew I was going to be a poet, but my mom's like, no, you're going to be a doctor. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know any rich poets, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I went, I went to medical school for a number of reasons, but at the heart of who I am, I've always been creative, but actually I was very shy when I was little, very shy, very quiet. I don't want to say withdrawn. I'm an introvert. So I'm what I like to describe an extroverted introvert, meaning I can turn it on when I need to, but then I have to go home and recharge for a little bit. Yes. <laughs> I always tell people this and they're shocked, but I'm definitely an extrovert, but I did not like to talk when I was little. And I remember my parents, especially we would leave after church service, we'd be standing in the hall talking with everybody and adults would try and talk to me and I would not look at them. I would not <laughs> talk to them. I was trying to sink underneath my parents' legs yep. and they would say, Lauren, you need to talk. You need to learn to talk. And I thought, oh no, I can't talk to people. And now that's all I do. So tell me, how did you learn how to decorate cookies? Interestingly enough, my grandmother was a baker in Yonkers, New York. And I grew up in California because that's where my father relocated after college. And every winter when it got cold in New York, my grandparents would fly out to California and I got to sit at her, sit and watch her bake. And she, every single morning would make the most delicious, decadent like meals and bread and pies and cakes. And people would start making their orders for months in advance when they knew my grandmother was going to come out to California. And I always had such a love for baking, although I never really did it that did it myself because Number one, I grew up in a very health conscious household where my mother was a marathon runner. Wow. Not allowed to eat sugar or sweets in the house at all, ever. Wow. I know, crazy. But then when my grandmother would come out, because I think there's that mother in law, daughter in law dynamic, then she, my mom, all of a sudden, it was allowed to have <laughs> and pies and sugar in the house. I have those happy memories. And a few years ago, I went through a big life transition. And part of my healing journey was to um, center myself and find those happy memories and bring myself back to them. And part of that was baking. So I just, I started, my husband is the real foodie in the household, by the way. Like he, I never even watched Food Network or cooking channels or baking anything on TV at all until I got married to him and because he watches them obsessively. 
And uh, so I just decided that was a good way to, to bring my husband in and work. we can work together and I can remember all the happy memories of my grandma baking and maybe I can recreate those for my children as well. And I started baking more. And just just fell in my lap the cookie decorating because it was so much fun. Number one, because I'm not really fond of sugar cookies, and I knew I wasn't going to be eating them. Good for you. <laughs> so, I can't say that, Cece. That's why I only show myself from here up. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a struggle with the. You, it's hard, especially when you're a baker, when you want to eat what you bake. And I'm a taster yeah. for the entire time. By the time I get done with a cake or a pie, I've already eaten half of it myself. I mean, <laughs> my grandmother was a great baker too. And the more people I talk to, that seems to be a common theme throughout the lives of people who've chosen baking as a career. So many people said, I learned to bake from my grandmother. I think mm-hmm. that's so special. And I have my grandmother's rolling pin in my kitchen hanging. Isn't that neat? And it's over probably a hundred years old. So I used it. That's what I used when I started my baking business. That just, that almost brings tears to my eyes. My, one of my most prized possessions, because my grandmother's passed on now, but I, the last time I spoke to her, I was still in college and she had come out to California to visit after my father had passed away. And she, I was asking her about her mother, her grandparents, and she wrote by hand her whole family tree her father, her grandmother, her great-grandmother, all their names. And then on the other side, she started writing down her recipe for bread, chocolate chip cookies, peanut butter cookies, and brownies. And I was like, oh, thank you. And I, little moments like that, you never thought that it would be anything. And I shoved it in a photo book and didn't think anything of it. And here it is years later. Now I'm married with children and I found it. Oh. And it's in my grandmother's handwriting, her recipes, her family tree. So I saved that and I framed it and it's up in my kitchen too. That's so oh, special. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine is a great designer and in his kitchen, he has framed recipes of his grandmother and his mother and his wife's mother written in their hand all over this one wall. And I think, and it's not special because it's the recipe. It's special because it's in their handwriting. Yeah. So I'm so impressed when I look at your cookies, especially the cookies that you have made of stars. Yeah. Uh, Would you like to talk a little bit about that and about one in particular that has commented on her on her portrait? Oh yeah, I've made quite a few portrait cookies. This comes that just fell on my lap too. I've never in my life been an artist. I've never taken a painting class or an art class. I just looked at people doing it. I thought to myself, like, I could probably figure that out. And then Uh it's kind of trial and error. And I started painting. I think I did Martin Lawrence. I did Simone Biles, but I was last year commissioned to do cookie set for Tracy Ellis Ross's company, Pattern Beauty. And they came out with a new blow dryer. So I had to replicate their blow dryer on cookie form. Unfortunately, I didn't have enough time to get a cutter made. So I had to literally do royal icing transfers of, I think, four dozen blow dryers. So that was a mess. So as part of that set that I made for her company, I did a cookie portrait of her. And that was a lot of fun. She liked, obviously she liked the the cookies that I made for her company, but she also liked the cookie I made for her. That was special. Her mom too, Diana Ross. How did that come about that you got that order? That's incredible. 
I don't know. It's, everything just falls in my lap. Like I, I have never elicited <laughs> anything, not even being on my Christmas cookie challenge. Like things just, I really feel that when you live in your purpose and you walk and you let, you know, your higher power guide your steps, things will fall into place. And that's what my book is about, right? It's just like surrendering to your purpose and not forcing your life into what you think it should be, but do what naturally brings you joy and what comes natural to you. And then everything else falls in place. CC, I could not have said that better myself. I tell my children that all the time. Yep. My husband and I do. We say God created you for a purpose. And when you find that purpose, that's what you should, should try and make a living at because you will be happier you will be living the life that I believe God wants you to live. Absolutely. And you'll be, and you'll be happier. Yes. And for me, I did lots of things before I became a cookie decorator. And I've never been so happy in my life because I'm so, I have creativity spilling out every part yes. of my body. <laughs> so it just, it brings me a lot of joy now that I'm finally doing what I feel like I was intended to do. Absolutely. Yes. So I am also a published author. I wrote a children's book about my son who has severe dyslexia. He's doing great. Yeah. It's called The Boy Who Lost His Colors. And it's about a little boy who, when he was born, he reaches his little hands up and he grabs all the colors around him and he's filled with color. And then he goes to school and he starts to turn black and white because he's so frustrated which is exactly what happened to my son. And so I pulled him out of school and homeschooled him and saw the life coming back into him because he was no longer frustrated. So in the, in the story, by the end, the little boy becomes a young man and he, his mom's peeking in the door and all the colors of the rainbow are all over the walls because she helped him find his color again. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. So it just that was his graduation gift from high school because it was really hard and we were so proud of him. So I thought it was the coolest thing that I saw that you had written a book. So tell me about your book. How did that come about? Let me get over the tears of joy (laughs) about that story. I I also am the mother of a child with some special needs too. You you understand. I understand that struggle. It is and the hurt in, that you see when your child is not thriving outside of the home. But yeah, that's a lovely story. So about my story, let me see it. I have it on my wall. Let me see if I can turn Okay. That's it. That's Nia's puzzle. Aww. My story, Nia's puzzle is actually, it is, how do I even start? I'll just tell, I'll put it like this. Brene Brown, the famous speaker, I guess we can even call her a philosopher, but she talks a lot about vulnerability. And Nia's puzzle and the publishing of that book was probably my most vulnerable moment in my entire life because it was me giving birth to this idea that I'd had for a very long time and putting words, um, putting into words the thoughts that I had had and and the feelings that I'd had about the meaning of life for a long time. And what it is, it's, it's actually, believe it or not, it's written in the form of a children's book, but it's a very difficult concept for a lot of children to understand. And I framed it that it's a book for children and their adults to help them navigate life. So yeah. it's an analogy of life being like a puzzle. 
and we get one little puzzle piece at a time, right? God gives us a little piece one at a time. And we don't know what the big picture is. We just have this little piece. And so often in our lives, we have created a picture in our mind of how our big picture is supposed to come out. This is my big picture, but we only have a little piece. And sometimes we'll take that little piece and shove it where we think it's supposed to go. And the picture is not making any sense. And we get frustrated because it's not fitting. It doesn't make sense. The picture is ugly, but we might have a blue piece and say, this is the sky. But one day when it's all said and done, we have all of our pieces, you know, that you'll find out that piece wasn't where you thought it was supposed to be, right? Mm-hmm. It's our job when we get these misshapen pieces in our life to turn it around from a different angle or set it aside until it makes more sense, but not to shove it where it doesn't belong. Gosh, now you're going to make me cry. That mm-hmm. is such a true, that's a great picture of life, CC. Yeah, yeah. So it's told as a grandmother telling her granddaughter, about this, you know, life being like a puzzle. And it's our job to put our pieces together one at a time and to set them aside or turn them from a different angle and not to get frustrated when a piece doesn't make sense because one day we'll have all of our pieces and they will make sense. And so at the end of the story, she's all grown up and she's telling this story to her grandchild. And she's in the picture, she's sitting in the same Okay, so with her grandmother, they're making a puzzle together while her grandmother's telling her this story. And the puzzle, the puzzle that she puts together with her grandmother, at the end of the story, it's her. She's sitting in a picture with her grandchild telling him that story. And so it's like life is this perpetual series of pictures that we're all putting together. It's a mystery. We don't know why things happen, but it's that's the fun of it, right? Is putting yes. a puzzle piece together. Love that that I love that. That is absolutely wonderful. And it is so fun, I think, to look back at your life, especially when you're an adult, and see how how that puzzle was being put together and how the pieces mm-hmm. fit perfectly when you didn't necessarily realize that they fit. Girl, let me tell you, if I, (laughs) when I was in college, when I was 18, the things that I thought, the little boys that you thought you were going to marry, how many times did you get some puzzle piece that you were like, no, this is what I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to be a doctor. And then look at me, I'm on Food Network baking cookies. It's a lesson in not taking life so seriously or taking it seriously enough to know that this is not the end all be all. That that boy that didn't like you, he's going to end up at the gas station somewhere with 18 kids. You know, (laughs) that girl that was mean to you at school, it's all going to work out. Don't worry. Wait till you get your big picture. Yes. Um, And it's really a story of resilience, right? It's really about resilience and having big picture perspective and have patience and perseverance too. And so that's the lesson that goes along with the book. And the the initial intent was to have a workbook too. So this is the story, but this is the discussion that you're going to have with your child about patience, about perseverance, about big picture perspective, and about resilience and about knowing that when bad things happen, that one thing that you thought was so significant Girl, when you look back at your big picture, that was like a rock on the road somewhere. Or the thing that that you didn't think was significant ends up being the impetus for something major in your life. Like how many, I'll give you a perfect example. My father always wanted 
for his entire life to go to the Air Force. Because back in the day, especially for African-American folk, it was either you go to the military or you take a trade after high school. College wasn't even really in the picture. But he was born, unfortunately, with a problem with his kidney. And so when he when it came time for him to graduate from high school, he wasn't allowed to enlist in the military. And so he went to a guidance counselor and the man says, your math scores are pretty good. Why don't you apply to this school? Hands him some application. And he's okay. So he applies, ends up being the first black man to graduate from engineering at Carnegie Mellon. <laughs> Number wow. Yeah. And then it completely changed the trajectory of our family. You know what I mean? He went from a family that had his parents had very low education. And all of his siblings had different, necessary, not necessarily great paths in their life. And now his grand, his daughter is a physician and his grandchildren are thriving and his complete trajectory just off of one thing. So something that small that that man did or said to him made all the difference in not just his life, but his daughter's life, his family's life, his grandchildren for generations, right? Yes. So that was his little teeny tiny puzzle piece that was insignificant at the time. That was actually a big major picture in someone else's puzzle. Oh my gosh. I don't even know if I can continue this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just so blown away. That's just, that's just so beautiful. And gosh, I just love that. I keep thinking about how I need to have these converse, the same conversation with my children because, you know, when kids are young and something happens, it's unexpected. They think that their life is over yeah. figuratively. Yeah. And, and it's hard for them to realize that, that they just need to shift their perspective. Yep. And so I love that. Now, just a minute ago, you were telling me about your husband and you said he watches all the food stuff on TV. So tell me, how did he feel, Cece, when he found out that you were going to be on the Food Network? Oh, (laughs) like, man, I married the right woman. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he even believed me. I didn't believe it either myself, to be honest, because they reached out to me on social media, which I thought was like, is this somebody trying to like slide in my DMs and hit on me or what is this? I initially ignored it. And then they also reached out to me, I believe on LinkedIn or something made it legitimate. I think they reached out to me twice or something. And I told my husband and he was like, oh, go for it. He's my biggest fan. He's so supportive. But I do remember that while I was at the studio and stuff, I felt almost like I was cheating on him because I was like, he's the one that should be here. He's the the foodie. And I would get home at night and call him and he's like, what does it look like? Did you see, did you see Bree? Like he's asking all these questions. It was so cute. Yeah. But whenever they, the same thing happened to me, they reached out to me through social media and I, you know, I thought, oh, this cannot be real. But then during my interview process, my husband, who is a lot of fun, he said, and he works from home. So there was no way I could not tell him that this was going on. He was in the house. And so he said, should I dress up like Santa Claus? I said, (laughs) yes. So he put on like a full Santa Claus outfit. And while I was interviewing, he came into the frame and he's like, Oh, oh, Lauren's been a really good girl this year. And we think you need to let her on the Food Network. They loved it. And they made him sign a non-disclosure agreement because they knew that he was, that he knew what was going on. But then they interviewed him because they were thinking about doing a couple show. And 
I was so excited because I thought, oh man, being able to share this with him would be the greatest thing in the world. It would make it more fun. Mm -hmm. He was there, but then he didn't get to go. And I felt the same way I was there. And I kept thinking, oh man, I wish Stacy was here. This would be so much more fun if Stacy was here. Yeah, yeah. The whole time, it's not like cheating on him, but I just kept, when you have someone, your spouse, your best friend, your partner, the love of your life. So I feel bad whenever I experience something life-changing like that and he's not a part of it. But yes. He's, still with me. He's, a, he's with me in my heart. He's yeah. with me in my pocket. <laughs> so do you have any fun experiences or stories from when you were on the Food Network? Girl. <laughs> Would you like to talk about the mysterious fruit? <laughs> no, I don't ever want to talk about it again for the rest of my life. Okay, so this is the thing. I, in my mind, kept thinking to myself, okay, if I get a fruit that's wet, if I get, like, I always, I had this sort of algorithm in my head, if this, then that, if this, then that. And I just knew, just thinking scientifically, that if it's a wet fruit, I'm going to extract the juice and I'm going to use it in my royal icing. And then I'm going to, and that's going to be my flavor. So the first cookie that I made was my strawberry lemonade cookie, which by the way, they cut out, but Reed Drummond said it was the best strawberry lemonade cookie she had ever had in her life. And they cut that out and it really made me sad, but that's okay. <laughs> that's that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. So I had already done like a lemon flavor and then I got, we got the rambutan Buddha hand and I forgot what the third choice was. And I didn't do the Buddha hand because it was lemon flavored. And I kept thinking to myself, I already know because I'd already done the, my shop, my best, I'd already played my best hand. <laughs> I've seen in the show before where people get dinged for repeating similar flavors. Mm -hmm. So I knew I had to think outside of the box and I don't recall what the other fruit was, but I decided that I was going to extract, I was going to somehow extract the juice from the rambutan or something. And it was going well, but the immersion blender that I was using wasn't working. And I tried sw swapping it out and everything. And I just ended up spending too much time on that process. I remember I had just cleverly run it by one of my friends who is a culinary artist and said, Hey, you know, what if I, what if someone were to make something <laughs> like I had to ask a very roundabout way without giving out right. information and he's like, you could always try a gelatin sheet if you're in a t if you were in a time crunch. And I kept thinking that to myself. Okay, if I run into a time crunch, mind you, I've not tried it, and I wasted so much time on this stupid immersion blender that I knew that if I didn't do something, I was going to run out of time and get dinged for that. I just threw a gelatin sheet in there and thinking I'd put it in the blast chiller, and so it would gel up quickly. But I left it. I forgot about it. So it froze. So what you're seeing when I'm piping it out are literal frozen rambutan jelly chunks. Oh no, Cece. But for the record, they had nothing bad to say about my actual cookies. Like the cookies themselves were delicious. They were baked. I did the best I could with my time constraint with decorating, which none of us really decorated the cookie to the best of our ability, like sloppily thrown together. So my 
consolation is that they were not critical of my cookie or my decorating skills. They were critical of that nasty, whatever you want to call that, Ramadan <laughs> frozen popsicle mess that I put. I was just so humiliated, but I was glad. I think that at the end of the day, they edited it in a favorable way that didn't make me look too much like an idiot, but... <laughs> It's funny, the editing, after editing is interesting too, because it is. they leave out critical pieces that explain the decisions that we make that make you look a little smarter. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I promise I pass the medical boards. I'm not an idiot. And I also don't typically make jelly or jam out of gelatin sheets. And so what I did when I came home is I became obsessed with fruit and making jelly and jam. And is that right? I did. I, I wanted to prove myself. I said, you know what? I, my husband and I, we live in a very rural part of California. And so we're fortunate to be surrounded by beautiful strawberry fields, berry patches, apple orchards all around where we live for miles and miles and miles. And so I literally went to all the orchards. I went to fields and I started, I came out with my own line of jam. Good for you, Cece. You are a go-getter. Can it's you, called, can people purchase it? It's not up for purchase yet because I'm still sorting through a couple of legal things, but I'm hoping that by the end of the summer, it will be up for purchase. It's called Jam Sessions Jams. And the first flavor is called Bad and Bluesy because it's like a bougie blueberry bourbon flavor jam. Oh, I, I live in Kentucky, so I like some bourbon. Yes, I'm going to send you some. Although I, it's almost like sending, oh my gosh, sending bourbon to someone in Kentucky. It's oh my gosh. It's like sending whiskey to somebody in Tennessee. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. The bar is so high, but you'll like it. You'll like Here's it. Here's the thing, Cece, when you're from Kentucky, as long as it's bourbon, you like it. Because we're pretty much, we have bourbon in our bottles, pretty much. <laughs> when I watched Cheryl's episode, I can't remember what, starfruit. Yes, that was it. So the starfruit, the taste was too subtle. And I know that Eddie often, so in my mind, these are the, you remember this, you're constantly thinking, okay, Eddie doesn't like this, Reed doesn't like that. Eddie criticizes this, Reed criticizes that. So in my mind, I'm like, Eddie always says he can't taste something. So this star fruit having this very subtle flavor, if I extract that and put that in my royal icing, he's going to say he can't taste it. It's not forward enough. So I have to have something that's bold enough, but I already used a lemon. So the Buddha hand's not going to work. So that's, that was how by default I ended up with the rambutan. And I just knew that I was going to use the juice in my royal icing. That was the goal. Right. Um, but I, because the whole blender fiasco, I ended up having <laughs> a pivot. So Things happen, well, though. I'm hoping maybe one day they'll bring me back on again and I'll get to, to redeem myself. <laughs> if I would have been on your episode, I've never eaten star fruit. I've never eaten rambutan and never yeah. eaten Buddha's hand. So I would have just sat there and looked at it. I would have had no clue. No, that's how it. I was. And I feel a little silly now because now whenever I go to Trader Joe's, it seems like I see rambutan everywhere I go now. Literally uh -huh. everywhere. But I had never even heard of the fruit, let alone tasted it. And now I feel a little bit ignorant because I, I feel like there's a huge population within the United States and obviously our Southeast Asian friends who enjoy rambutan every day. I, I feel so bad. That was a great opportunity for me to share someone else's culture and put it in a positive light. And I didn't get to do it, but next time, that's what I'm going to do with my jam.
getting ready to say you can make that flavor of jam so yes. it'll be perfect yep absolutely and it can be called cc's redemption or something like that <laughs> i love it i love it let me write that down redemption jam cc what did you think whenever you knew that you had made it to the second part that you made it to the second challenge I didn't. Were you exhausted? I Were you excited? I was shocked. I couldn't believe that I'd made it. And then I thought, I'm not sure I can do this because I'm old and I'm tired. It's been a long day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's funny is I had low expectations all right, going in. And what's even funnier was I, when I was selected for the show, I was still a little bit in disbelief and I thought that there, I said to myself, they must be doing some sort of COVID healthcare heroes episode because why are they choosing me? Imposter syndrome works in any field, whether right. it's being a doctor or being at a college, an Ivy League school or being on a cookie show. So I'm thinking they must have selected me because they're going to do a healthcare episode. So when I was like, sure, I'll go compete against my fellow. Cause there's a couple other prominent doctor cookiers, like my good friend, Priscilla from Sarmi sister sweets. Hey, hey boo, and oh my gosh, Cindy. Oh my, I, the crafty nephron. I've got a whole bunch of cookie doctor friends. So I figured maybe they've all been invited to, and this is going to be a healthcare episode. So when I went on the show and I got and we're on the bus on the way to the studio and I'm asking around, so what hospital do you work for? And they're like, no, I'm, and then I'm like with Renee, who's, I don't know, thousands and thousands of followers. She's, I'm Sweet Cheeks by Renee. And I, I look at her Instagram, I'm like, oh, snap, I follow that lady. Oh my gosh. So I'm like, so I'm the only one that's a doctor here. And they're like, yep. And I'm like, that's when it hit me. Like, oh, this is like real. Like, <laughs> that's when it, it finally hit me. So by the time I just, I figured I'm not going to, I just, in my mind, didn't think I was going to do that. Yes. And so by the time when I made it to the second round, I was like pleasantly surprised. But to be honest, they cut a lot out and they had to, I, I knew that I was going to make it to the second round because my two buddies who didn't make it had made some blunders that oh. yeah, were pretty consequential. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah. And they're the sweetest people. Doug and Kimmy, I wish they could have been on the show longer because number one, Doug is hilarious and so talented. He also went to Berkeley like me, go bears. And Kimmy is the sweetest, most talented, kind hearted person you've ever met in your life. And we were all rooting for her. She had a hard time finishing her cookie. And I remember we were all cheering for her and rooting oh. for her to finish it. And they cut that out. But yeah, I tell you, you become lifelong friends with the people on your episode, don't you? Because you're, you just have this instantaneous bond of this crazy experience that you've yeah. all done together. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I know some of the DIY things that you've done since coming back from the Christmas cookie challenge, because I love watching your Instagram. I'm like, ooh, what's Cece doing today? <laughs> You, I know you just remodeled your son's room. It was incredible. Which one? Thought, was it the sports one or the glasses? Is the glasses. Yeah, me, yeah. That was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, if I didn't know that you were a doctor, I would have thought you were an interior designer. It was fabulous. Thank you. It's one of those things, and I'm sure as a creative, you'll understand this. You have an idea in your head. And for me, it's like, I cannot stop. I can't sleep. I can't stop thinking about it until I 
make make it come to fruition. Same thing with yes. the book, right? So my son is an avid reader, and that's to put it very lightly. He's on the autism spectrum, so he's like constant with a book in his hand. In fact, he every year of his life in elementary school, he would get an award for having read the most pages in the entire school. Oh, and the running joke was that he would not stop reading to accept his award. So he'd <laughs> up on the stage and go to the next page, take his award, say thank you, and then keep reading his book. It's It was only fitting that I make his room like bibliophile themed. And so I found this really cool wallpaper on Etsy and I just knew that I had to get these glasses made. And I kept asking her like, how could I do that? How could I do it? And I just figured it out. And it was really cool. My husband is an engineer oh. for a company. I'm not allowed, I don't know if I can say <laughs> But he's a, he's a, a an executive at one of the engineering companies, and so we have our house connected to a smart system that we will oh. tell it, like, "Hey, turn on the lights, turn them blue, turn them." It's really cool. So everything is like voice command in my son's room. It's like high tech library. How fun! <laughs> Can you say, "Hey, make the cookies. Hey, make the ice." I, I wish. I love. I I don't know about you, CC. I love to decorate the cookies, but. Man, I don't like making the cookie dough. Yeah. And it's so fast. It doesn't take that long. It's I like know. emptying the dishwasher. You stare at, you walk by the dishwasher and you know you need <laughs> to empty it, but you just don't want to. And once and you do, the making the icing and coloring the icing is. I know. I psych myself into the fact that it's going to take forever. And usually it doesn't even take that yeah. long. But if I could find someone to do that for me and just do the fun part. Yep, yeah, that's just not the way it works usually. Of course, and then also with icing, well, it's something that is interesting with royal icing that the consistency is. I almost want to call it personal. Like everyone has their own personal perfect. If You're right. Sense. And so I don't know if I could ever even hire someone to do it for me because I'd be like, no, you put two drops too much water in there. You know what I mean? And everybody has their own comfort level with flood consistency versus medium versus thick versus piping. And I don't know if I could ever trust that someone could make it the way I like it. You know what I mean? Yes. Isn't it interesting? I don't know about you, when I, but when I first started decorating cookies, that was the hardest part, the consistency yes. of the icing. And so I would put water in a teaspoon at a time. Like I would measure out the amount of icing, then I would put the water in and then I would write it down so I would know mm -hmm. what to do going forward. Now I, it's, second nature. I put the icing in the bowl. It doesn't matter how much. And I can just bring my spoon up and based on the plop, I use the plop method based on yeah. how it plops off the spoon. I know, oh, this is perfect. And I think, man, if only it could be that way from the very beginning. Yeah. But you just got to stick with it. Right. And yeah. then it becomes easy. It's total trial and error too. It's totally trial and error. Yes, that's right. So do you sell cookies as well? No, I don't sell cookies because I don't like the liability. I think in the future I might. I might do pop-up shops. Yeah. Um, and I do make batches for special VIP people. So, Cece, we have talked about all the wonderful things that you do. And you're really a Renaissance woman. And Thanks. I love that you create art with cookies because you need an outlet. And I think a lot of people think that when they start decorating cookies, it's a 
you have to make it into a business. And although I think that's a great thing to do, if you want to, I think also decorating cookies, the art of decorating cookies or doing any other type of art just can feed your soul. Yeah, absolutely. And in my circumstance, because it's not necessarily a business that I do, I still have the liberty of being as creative as I want. I feel like if I were to do this as a full-time business, not only would that add stress to it, but it would add this element of perfectionism and things would, it wouldn't be as fun for me because I would have to now make things, I wouldn't have creative license. I'd have to make things exactly the way someone wants them. And so there's, it would take away the joy. Right. Um, For right now, I consider it a labor of love. So when I make someone a batch of cookies, I let them know, girl, this took me eight hours. So enjoy every bite. (laughs) I know people look at us on Instagram and they're like, oh, those cookies, those are easy. Oh, yeah. I can't tell you how often people have asked me to bake them eight dozen. Can you make me eight dozen? I'm like, girl, do you know it took me like nine hours to make one dozen? Like, I have three kids and a full-time job. (laughs) Yes, it's very, it is sure. It sure is a labor of love. So now we are going to go to the speed round. Are you ready? Okay, let's go. Okay. Okay. What is your favorite treat or dessert? My favorite treat, peach cobbler. Oh, yum. I'll have to give you my mom's recipe because it is good. (laughs) I will make it. We're going, we're going to be peach picking later in the summer. Oh, yum. Do you have a favorite cookbook? My grandma's. Your grandmother has a cookbook? Not published. Oh, your but your grandmother's recipes. I love that. And then if you could make cookies for anyone living or deceased, who would you make cookies for? I'm putting this out in the universe. Meghan Markle and Prince Harry and or Tyler Perry and or Oprah Winfrey. If you guys are listening, please let me bake you cookies. That if out. you're listening, then I've gone big time. So yeah. thank you. <laughs> you never know. You never know. That's right. And then lastly, if you could go on vacation anywhere, or what's the most fun vacation that you've been on? Or if you could go anywhere, where would you want to go? I would like to visit. My best friend actually picked up and moved to Bali in the middle of the pandemic. Ooh. Can you believe that? She just wow. had enough of the single life in California and said, I'm going to go move somewhere else. And she's living her best life out there. And the photos that she sends are just amazing, breathtaking, spectacular. So I'd like to go there. My most fun vacation, you're never going to believe this. Talk about puzzle. <laughs> when I was in college, after I broke up with that crazy, he who will not be named. Yeah. I, went on like this life self-finding journey to Africa. Wow. And I volunteered in a remote village in Tanzania and I delivered babies in the middle of the Serengeti desert. That was what I did for. Wow. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. I had the most fun. It wasn't fun in the traditional sense, right? In the way we think of it in the Western world, but it was life-changing. I'll put it like that. My perspective and my sense of gratitude for what I have and my sense of like how silly I am to cry over X, Y, Z, stupid thing when these people have 
so little and yet wake up every day and they're grateful and they're praising God every day. Yeah. Um, life-changing gratitude journey is what I call wow. it. And I ended it with a trip to Zanzibar off the coast of Tanzania. And I woke up every morning and took a walk to watch the sunrise over the ocean. And I had the most amazing time. I got my hair braided by two Maasai warriors. And then wow. to cap the trip off, by the way, I was dead broke. I had zero money. All I had was like a credit card with $50 on it. And I think I might've had a hundred dollars cash, but I, my trip had a layover in Greece on the way home to the United States. I decided to delay my time and I went camping on Santorini because there was a campsite where it was like, 10 wow. So I went camping. I had nothing but, I don't know, $50 to my name. When you're young, you're stupid, right? Let's say, no, who cares? And I just had the time of my life enjoying my own company. So That's that, wonderful. That, and that will never happen again. Not with three kids and a husband and like a right. real, life and real responsibilities. Once you're out of school, like I always tell my med students, I'm a prof- I'm an associate professor. And I always tell my students like, hey, this is the last time in your life where you're an adult, but it's completely acceptable to be selfish and lazy and not have a job and not do all the things that are socially expected of you as an adult otherwise. So take advantage of it. And I fully did that. So That's awesome. <laughs> now, if you, if someone's listening and they have a dream, but it's inside of them and they're not doing anything to fulfill it, what kind of advice would you give them? Change it, change it. I actually have a post on this on my Instagram. There's a da- there's a story of a Taoist monk who dreamt that he was a butterfly. And in his dream, the dream was so vivid. He was flying over a field and he could smell the scent of the bakery and he could feel the sunshine on his wings. And when he woke up, the dream was so vivid that he didn't know if he was a monk dreaming, if he was a butterfly dreaming that he was a monk waking up from a dream or if he was a monk who was waking up from a dream that he was a butterfly. His entire sense of reality had shifted. I always say to people, to my students, to even to myself, my kids, who's to say that you can't wake up from this dream that you're defining as your reality and completely change your perspective and change your life's trajectory. If you want to make a change, then just do it. Amen. Amen, Cece. Gosh, I love talking to you. You're fantastic. You really are. You have the best attitude and you really have been a joy to talk to. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. A lot of fun. I I talk to you every day already on the chat. So I know, but it was nice to talk talk to you, right? See your face. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. All right. Thanks again. I'll talk to you later. Bye, boo. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Sugar Coated Dreams podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed today's chat and don't want to miss out on future episodes, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform. We release new episodes every Thursday. If you enjoyed the episode, please take a moment to rate and review it. It would mean so much to us. And remember to check out the Cheerful Box. It's the perfect companion to help you unlock your creativity and help make your baking dreams come true. You can find it at www.cheerfulcutters.com. So until next time, keep dreaming big and never underestimate the power of a little sugar and a whole lot of passion. 
I'm Lauren Jacobs, and this is the Sugar Coated Dreams Podcast. 